Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 160 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the Kinky Cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we bring you Come Slut for Abuse. Here's your host, The Beast. Thank you, Max. We're here for another edition of the Kinky Cast. We're way out on the West Coast this week in California with Sally. A.K.A. Come Slut for Abuse on Fat Life. Hello, Sally. Hello. What a name. <laughs> Thank you. It just jumped up at me when I was bruising through Fat one day. Come Slut for Abuse, the number four listeners. And it just jumped up and I had to chase it down. I found this wonderful woman at the other end. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, that's the point of it. I'm hoping to get some, per se, exposure. <laughs> exposure. Why did you choose such a provocative name? It sums me up, basically. Um, you know, I've been described as, as an orgasm junkie. I like to have a good time. I like to enjoy it, not only for my partner, but for myself. So that's where the cum slut comes about. I'm pretty open with my sexuality. I don't have a problem with being safe and promiscuous, so that's where the slut is. And I am really a fan of some medium, moderate to heavy, let's say, impact play. I love pain. I'm a bit of a masochist, and I like to enjoy that in my themes. Wow. So all this fits you very, very well then, doesn't it? That pretty much sums up my submissiveness, and yeah. And we must note, we're celebrating your anniversary on the night of this recording. One year today was my first BDSM experience. And were you hooked from the first moment? From the first strike of the cane. Ah, uh, cane. <laughs> you do jump in the deep water, don't you? Head first. Wow. Is that a motto for your life or is this <laughs> something new that is blooming here? You know, it's blooming, it's blossoming, it's developing, and it's turning into quite a beautiful thing. Have you seen this ripple out into your uh, non-kinky life? No. You know, I've always been submissive in nature, just not really ever had a name for it. When I found this community, it was sort of like a, a light bulb went off, and I finally found a place where I belonged, and people understood where I was coming from. So it wasn't that I just stumbled into my submissive nature, it was... It was always there underlying, but it didn't come out fully until I discovered what it really was. Until you could put a name on it. Exactly. I've heard a lot of stories uh, from submissives that when they, they discover the, the community and embrace their nature fully, that they see all sorts of positive changes in their vanilla life, too, uh, that they're more comfortable, more assertive, more assured of themselves. Have you seen any of those transformations? You know, I, I can't say that I have. It's really given me a lot of inner strength. Um, I've seen parts of myself come out in play that really, I guess, have come out in public as well, that I am a really strong individual. 
capable of a lot more than I think I am at first. Getting into a caning scene, you'll find out exactly what you're capable of real quickly, won't you? Absolutely. So that first scene, how did you find the partner? He had actually contacted me on an adult um, dating site. And he he had sent me an email, let's say in November, and I kind of ignored it. He wasn't the age range I was looking for. He was a little far away, and I just brushed it off. Come about two months later, he sent me another email uh, mentioning a, a sort of using me as a, a fuck toy. Well, I couldn't turn that down. Um, so I replied. I said, let's do this. I want to I wanna see what you've got. <laughs> and game on. <laughs> game on. I really lucked out with uh, my first partner. He's an amazing man that is still in my life, and I'm so lucky that he enlightens me like this. You have been growing over this past year and branching out, and you're far from monogamous. <laughs> far from it, yes. And you have quite a online presence. Uh, I believe you do some, uh, do you do some camera work or cam work? I do cam on Adult Friend Finder. I generally try to do it once every other day, time permitting. Um, my, my handle on Adult Friend Finder is underscore cunt underscore. <laughs> you can find me on there probably around 8 p.m., 9 p.m., even later sometimes. You don't, uh, you are very brazen about your, um, your dark side, but I don't sense that you are an abused or, or disadvantaged woman at all. You know, I, I often question what made me this way. I come from a very happy home. I have both my parents who have been married, oh, 36 years now, very loving, very happy family. No abuse in the past. I grew up at nice homes, nice schools, great friends, and I'm just a kinky, perverted slut. Uh, so your first uh, foray as a teenager and a and a young adult must have been highly frust frustrating. Has has you explored and your needs weren't getting met exactly. From my first sexual experience all the way through last January, meeting my first dom, I don't think my sexual expectations were ever met. I was exposed to sex at an early age and started watching porn at an early age. And when you start with that, it's kind of difficult to live up to it. I just always felt that something was lacking in my sexual experiences before last January. I, I always wanted more. It wasn't enough and it didn't satisfy me. It was actually rare that a guy would get me the climax. Well, the story's changed. <laughs> <laughs> now you're the uh, Energizer Bunny? Yeah, to say the least. He's had a little caffeine, too. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. I'm just I'm just imagining that, that rabbit from TV on a Starbucks with a few shots. That could be That could be frightening. I've told you, I'm an orgasm junkie. How is this fitting in with this this new world of the past year, fitting in with your old image? I mean, you went from a vanilla, a frustrated vanilla, to a cam girl masturbating on the webcam for uh, men in singles, pairs, dozens, I would imagine, on some shows. So how how do you reconcile those evolutions in such a short time? 
to be honest, it was something that happened overnight. Up until about, let's say, May of 2015, or 16, excuse me, May of 2016 was when I first started showing my face. Um, before that, it was all body shots, action shots, nothing including really who I was. And then one day I said, you know what? <laughs> who am I hiding from? I'm not hiding from anyone. This is who I am. This is who I live my life as. Why am I pretending to be what I'm not or hiding who I am? And because I had embraced it personally, I said, you know, let everyone else embrace it. And if they don't, they don't need to look. But they're looking. And that's okay. I like it. Your daytime job, any hassles there? You're such an open person. <laughs> well, I work in customer service mostly. And I'm outgoing, so that really helps. And I've got a nice smile, so that never hurts. But I do have a hard time not flirting with attractive males. Ah, uh, well, well, uh, That's let's, part of the group. well, let's be honest. Uh, men do not mind flirting. I do great with my customer service surveys. Let's put it that way. I would imagine so. <laughs> you jumped in both, both feet. Mm-hmm. And you slipped into camming early on, but things have taken a very provocative turn because some of the uh, things you do on cam are taboo, even in our community. That's so crazy to think about because I think of it as so normal for me. <laughs> it's just exploring bodies and enjoying each other for what it is and pushing yourself to the max. I think that's fun. We see pictures of you doing golden showers and, and that's often on the, on the big three or five limit list for a lot of people. It was for me as well. Oh. It was up until, uh, when I first posted a video of it, gosh, a couple months ago, up to three months maybe. Um, that was my first experience and I captured it on film. And to be honest, I didn't think I'd like it, but I'm the type of person that, well, I'll try anything twice because I might not like it the first time. It deserves a second shot. <laughs> oh, my. But I, I liked this one the first time I tried it, much to my surprise. That taboo breaking was a pleasurable experience. Have you tackled any of the other taboos? I haven't. I'm not interested in any others. In fact, I have a couple that are hard limit. It's not for me. I maybe I'll never say I'll never try it. I'm evolving constantly. This this journey is so incredible because everything changes each experience you have. There's a lot of constants, but your eyes are open to a lot of new things and new possibilities, new options. And to have that in front of you can be overwhelming and you just want to say no, but you're kind of tempted to say yes. And when you do, you're surprised sometimes. Wow. You bring something extra to the uh to the experience and that is amazing your confidence and uh that you have not fallen prey to social constructs you're a larger woman you are a curvy chick and you tell uh on on your profile about your first time at a sex club what was that like i had a blast Oh, I was nervous going into it, honestly. Um, I've always been a larger woman. Since elementary school, I've been the largest woman in the room. And for a while, it was, it was scary. I didn't want to be naked around people. It was hard for me to get on top of men. 
And going to the sex club for the first time, I, I knew, again, I would be the largest woman in the room. And I said, you know what? I'm not going for other people. Sure, they can enjoy it, but I'm going for myself. And I went. I got a flogging naked. And I had a following that you wouldn't believe. It was great to see men just crowding around me. Every time I'd bring my head up to breathe, I'd see more men. And I had some following me around the club. Every corner I turned, there he was, you know, waiting for my next scene. So it really, I don't need to be a fat fetish. I am attractive to a lot of men, regardless of what their fantasies, fetishes, their type is. I'm beautiful, too, and a lot of men respect that and acknowledge it. I think that it's a combination of inner and outer beauty. Uh, We in American society have this view of the size zero as being perfection, and I'm sorry, many of us don't agree with that notion at all. And you can be a size zero and meet all of the social visual constructs, and then you have a personality of a congressman and shoots the whole thing. And you're bringing the whole package together in such wonderful ways. Thank you. It's taking a little time to get settled into the, into seeing this, this woman of beauty instead of the largest woman in the room. And, but you're making that move, aren't you? You know, I think I've fully made that move. It wasn't until recently when I, You know, for a long time, I didn't want to get on top of a man during sex. I didn't want to ride him. I felt like, oh, I'm either going to knock the wind out of him or break his pelvis. (laughs) Oh, too funny. (laughs) Well, it's not true. Um, Men seem to like a, a fat woman grinding on top of them. So once I realized that it's not all about how I perceive myself in my head, yeah, I've got a gut. I don't like it. Yeah, I've got flabby arms. I don't like that either. But together it's me, and I like me a lot. And if this person wants to see me, let's do it. For a woman that calls herself come slut for abuse, what does an average month's dating schedule look like? If I have recurring play partners, it's probably going to be one or two guys, those guys, seeing them maybe couple times a week to a couple times a month. It's not that I'm without willing participants. It's that I'm picky and I have every right to be. Um, a lot of guys assume that because I claim to be a slut that I'll sleep with anyone. Well, that's not true. I have standards just like everyone else. Um, and I have every right to choose <laughs> who I sleep with despite what I choose to call myself. So it can vary. Um, I actually had a, a fun thing going on in December, which boosted my numbers that month. Oh, <laughs> boosted your numbers. I like the sure way you did. put that. <laughs> um, I decided with the help of someone else, um, his influence that I would do a take, a sexual take on the 12 days of Christmas. Oh my. So the intent was to, um, have a new encounter for 12 days of Christmas, meaning 12 cocks, 12 days. Each one fresh and new, right? Yes. Oh my, that was, uh, that, that gives a whole nother meaning to the advent calendar, doesn't it? Oh, I loved opening those doors. 
<laughs> Literally and figuratively in this case. <laughs> yes. How did you go about making the arrangements for this Christmas gift to yourself? Oh, and what a gift it was. I put some posts out in groups on Fat Life, um, just local ones, explaining what I was doing and a little bit about what I was looking for. I had, gosh, over a 100 responses through my emails in just a few days. Um, I wasn't able to get to all of them. In fact, some are still sitting in my inbox, which I feel so bad about. <laughs> it's daunting to see 32 pages of messages. Uh, yes, it can be, but, uh, but you're, you were a woman on a mission. Yes. And the end result of the, of your own advent was? Unfortunately, I did not meet the requirements. You didn't make 12? I didn't. You know, I, I agreed to this before I, um, thought it through. Dove in head first again. I came up five short. I had a great first week. Let's put it that way. To be honest, 12 men in 12 days and not be doing just crazy anonymous encounters would be quite, quite emotionally and physically taxing. Yeah, it turned out to be um, quite a test on my endurance and my social skills. <laughs> 12 first dates. Yeah. And were they dates or... Or, or were some of them strictly, you show up at the door and you're leaving the door uh, 45 minutes later? I haven't had a date in years, a real date, where I go out to dinner or go to a movie. Um, what I call dates is basically a gentleman walking in my door, me dropping to my knees, and the rest goes down. My type of date is the type where he shows up and we get ready and get down and dirty early. I do like your your style of date, but Sally, sweetie, you need to get out there and experience dinner. <laughs> I mean, besides a protein shake. <laughs> you know, I realized I'm turning down a lot of free meals, and that upsets me as a fat woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is there is something to the human connection also. Absolutely. It's nice to have that company and connect with someone on a deeper level. It can be emotionally trying when you're working for for those kind of numbers, for sure. Man, I, I started feeling like I just had to churn them out. <laughs> and that's not enjoyable. So I kind of took a step back and said, let's relax. You'll say the Advent was one of your biggest challenges so far. What, what was another big challenge that surprised you about how difficult or how easy it came about? Regarding that challenge? No, regarding any regarding other other challenges. You know, a big challenge that I face on Fat Life, on other adult dating sites, um, is the type of man who claims to be a dom, but is not. There's a lot of people on the internet that are playing roles or wanting to explore, but not ready to dive into it like I am. That's frustrating. I run into that way too often. That's that's something we hear from a lot of people. And since the Fifty Shades phenomenon, it has only got worse. Yeah, those are the doms with the lowercase d. It's a wonderful part of our lifestyle, but I'll put part of the blame on you, literally you, that many men out in the world have found fat to be a easy place to get sex without obligations. And, and if you're going to be in a, in a DS relationship, I'm sorry, there are obligations. Absolutely. And, and bless you, bless your sisters like you. We love them. It's a virtual 
cornucopia for these horny men. And they're just creating a lot of frustration for everybody. It's frustrating for me as well. While I am looking for play partners for that quick fix, that's not ultimately what I want. On my fat life profile, you know, if, if people take a moment to read the whole thing, which I put together quite thoughtfully, there's a lot of information about what I'm looking for in a partner, a long-term, lifelong partner who I would be the submissive of, who I would even consider being the slave of in a sex role. For me to be on fat life as a woman searching for a quick hookup, yeah, there's a lot of women out there. But for me, as a submissive woman wanting to devote herself full-time, 100% to a dom and a unique one like myself, there's not a lot of me out there. No, they aren't. There are the role models among the submissive women, too. They are the role players. They are playing the game. They no more are submissive in every aspect of their existence than uh, the these men are dominant in every aspect of their lives. They are only there, and you're one of the rare creatures truly seeking for the deeper connection and the and to keep the DS and the sex involved. So. Absolutely. Um, what I look for in that type of connection is a real mental bond. I could even do without the sex in that dynamic. I crave the, the power exchange and the control that someone has over me. So do I allow that on first dates? No, not at all. I can get kinky on a first date, but will I fully submit to someone? Absolutely not. Is that an emotional safety or is that a physical safety or both? Oh, that's both. I will not do bondage on a first date unless I can get out of it myself. <laughs> I am very weary and cautious of men because I have been placed in a situation in the past where it was uncomfortable and I didn't know how to get out of it and just let it happen. So in, in March of last year, I did meet with someone claiming to be a dom. Um, in my opinion, he's just a pure sadist. I didn't ask the right questions. I didn't know what I was getting into because I was so new and naive about it. I just got a good vibe from him. Turns out he just wanted to torture me for two hours. And he did leave me um, restrained, but I had a way out of it. I didn't use it, but I had a way out. And that was comforting to know. I will never put myself in a dangerous situation. I often let friends know what's going on. I'm very open with my friends. They know when I have a guest over. I have friends that live down the street from me. They know <laughs> when someone's here. <laughs> so it's not, I'm very cautious because being a woman seeking people on the internet well, anyone can be a dog on the internet, you know. <laughs> Anybody can be anything. After all, if it's on the internet, it must be true. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Your story re resounds with others that I've heard. And part of the reason I really want you on the show is your world of the newness and the fact that we need somebody to remind these newbies coming in that this is all exciting and well, but you've got to temper yourself a little bit. You've got to be a, you use wisdom and common sense and jumping into this pool. There's so much to think about. There's so much you need to research and understand before jumping into a dynamic. I was given the opportunity to be someone's college sub in March of 2015. 16, excuse me. I keep saying that. In March of 2016. It didn't work out because I didn't understand what the dynamic should be. I had expectations that weren't being met. 
because I had unrealistic expectations, ones that didn't suit my partner's expectations, and I didn't quite understand it because I didn't fully research what I was getting into. I've gone on dates with men who claim to be one thing and turn out to be another. It's really unfortunate that you have to do your research on everything now, but it's very handy to have resources like FetLife. There's definitions all over the place. There's opinions and there's discussions. And it's it's wonderful to see a like-minded community talking about everything from safety to anal orgasms. You know, it's just wonderful. Anal orgasms. (laughs) Is that one of your kinks now? Yes, it is. How many orgasms have you identified? I have three. And they are? I have um, my first, well, my favorite orgasm is from stimulating my clit with a vibrator. I am very fond of the womanizer vibrator. That one is amazing. My second favorite orgasm is going to be my anal orgasm. Your second favorite? Second favorite. That's most easily achieved through um, deep, rough fucking. And uh, my third, I mean, I wouldn't say least favorite. It's real good. My third favorite orgasm would be from G-Spot Stimulation mostly with my enjoy wand. Oh, wow. I have seen some videos of you in that wand. We're best friends. Yep, yep, yep. I will encourage you to look for the P and the U-spot orgasms. Okay. Uh, do some research. There are such things. The U-spot's very deep. That's good. Deep. Yes, you, you were talking about safety. We got side sidetracked on the word orgasm. It's your orgasm. And, you know, I'm a man. I, I lose focus. <laughs> But yes, uh, safety is something that we don't, as a society, we don't talk about sex safety and I'll include dating and, and intimacy and among that, uh, sex topic. If a sexual encounter goes bad, you don't usually talk about it with other people. You don't usually share the experience. And in the kink community, we do that. We, we talk about what doesn't work and how to, to do this crazy stuff safely that, that, you know, other people would think, what? I wouldn't do that with my husband of 50 years. It's what we do and what we enjoy. So we have to find ways to make it happen in a safer way as possible without blowing the illusion. I mean, let's be honest. You can be overly safe and there is no illusion of danger and there's no illusion of risk and and sometimes that, for me anyway, that I, I, I like to, to create those illusions, but I have my partner trusting me that it's going to all end out well in the end. Trust is such a big factor. I think that's the most important one in any dynamic is having that trust. And building that trust is real hard because you need to discuss safety with your partner. You have to be on the same page and understand each other's needs and how much they can take. For me, I'm all about pushing my limits and increasing my threshold. So before I want to do that with a partner, I will go ahead and check out different group postings on how much is too much or how far is too far to take this activity. Because I, like I said, I want to push myself, but I don't want to harm myself. There's a lot, there's a big difference in pain and injury. I don't want to be injured, but please hurt me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Yes, yes. The words we want to hear. The words we want to hear. (laughs) You're you're entering your second year. Yes. And you are now in a new search to fill up both your uh, dance card. 
<laughs> and to maybe move into the next phase, which is a deeper connection with your partner. So far on your journey, what are the tips you would throw out there to other submissives and other women both that are in this same search that you're in? Be patient. It takes time. I was incredibly lucky to have my dom be my first experience in this lifestyle. But a lot of times it doesn't happen that way. And you've got to be patient and you've got to stick with it because that one email that you want to overlook, that could be the guide. It's hard to tell and you really have to take time to get to know people. You can't just say, oh my gosh, that is a nice cock. I want that. You know, there's a lot more behind that cock than you think. So it's important to really talk to your potential partners, understand their needs and their desires. But also I like to ask, what would our first scene look like for you, ideally? That gives me an idea of what I can expect so that I'm not caught off guard, that I don't feel unsafe at any point, and that I feel like I am still in control. In this lifestyle, that form, that level of communication is such a common occurrence that people out in the vanilla world just don't understand. You know, I've never talked more about sex than I have this past year, and I constantly talk about sex, even before this. But the openness that everyone in this community uses toward talking about sex and their good and bad experiences, it helps everyone grow. I think that reading other people's accounts of what has gone wrong in their scenes, um, in their consent violations and anything, it's really helped me to understand what is a red flag and what is acceptable. And there are so many red flags that people overlook. You just really have to be careful and get to know your partner before they become your partner. I have a personal question, which might not be so personal since you're so open. What <laughs> is your body count at this present moment? You know, that's funny. Everyone wants to ask me about numbers. If I count, I stop after my 10 fingers. Okay. And then um, it's been quite a year since I counted anything from partners to orgasms to strikes of a cane or flogger. I just don't. I don't count. I know that I'm safe and happy, and that's what matters to me. Now, how is it working for you? We Consent violations and consent and as a topic is such a important one going on in our community. And I'll proudly say our community is a leader on the consent discussion. But as a woman that has played the field over the last year, how common are consent issues from your perspective? I've been so lucky that I've only encountered that one. And it wasn't um, anything that could have been really prevented. I had been handcuffed. And the next day I saw that I had scars. I still don't know what the scars are from. They were burns, but I had had candled wax and metal handcuffs on, somehow created a scar, that a, a burn that scarred. Um, and that is a hard limit for me. I don't want permanent marks. So I have to live with this scar now on my wrist. But really, I don't think he knew what he was doing or even know what caused it. But I really haven't run into any blatant consent violations at all. I've been extremely lucky, and I'm really the exception to the to the rule, maybe. You you do believe in communication and discussion and in vetting and, well, not vetting as much as uh, carefully selecting your partners. I have a rule. I won't meet anyone the same day that I initiate contact. It doesn't happen like that. I need to trust the person who I'm either inviting into my hotel room or my house. And if I'm going to go see you, I better trust that I'm safe. 
And there's no better way to trust that I'm safe than to get your, to know your character through talking to you in text and over the phone. Even video chat helps a lot. Having those facial cues is important. It's very important because anyone can put any inflection behind a sentence on a keyboard. But to actually express that is real different. And you read what you want to read behind that inflection. Absolutely. There are all sorts of ways to text it. You know, I say cunt to you, and it could have how many different meanings in your world? It has several in my world. It could leave you dripping, dripping wet and ready, or it could uh, lead you with a steam coming out of your ears. Depends on a lot of factors that I may not know about at that moment. That's very true. My screen name on um, Adult Friend Finder is underscore cunt underscore a lot of men say oh honey don't call yourself a cunt you're so sweet that i'm a cunt (laughs) in more ways than one (laughs) well maybe we'll lure you to tennessee and we can we can test all these theories out one day oh i'd like to experience that (laughs) well it's a it's a short plane ride well i don't know if it's so short from 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 you i don't know how far you are from the one of the big cities in the state. I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. I live on the Bay Area Peninsula. You bitch. <laughs> and see, I say that, and I'm partially angry, and I'm happy for you. So he yeah, has such such complex meanings. I'm so fortunate to have grown up in the Bay Area. It's such an amazing place to live. Amazing place to be discovering kink. Absolutely. Folsom Street. Did you make it? I didn't make it this year. I. The person I was going to go with flaked on me. What you should the internet. <laughs> you should have went by yourself. You know, I'm so scared to go to events by myself. <laughs> I'm really looking for like a munch buddy or a mentor or someone I can go out in public with. Because again, it's about being safe. It really is, and going with a partner, a friend, is a lot safer than going by yourself. And if that's what it is for your comfort level, I say go for it. Because for some reason, I don't think that that mentor, partner, buddy will limit you on what is possible for you at all. Guys, limit. I believe that's the case in you, for you. What else might you share with us, Sally? Like I said earlier, I, I am looking for, you know, a deeper connection with someone. So if anyone wants to check out my profile on that life, it would be much appreciated. I've got some pictures and videos up for people. I've got a lot of writing that explains my journey, myself, what I'm looking for as well. I'm really looking to expand my horizons, and I hope that I can, from this, connect with some people that are on the same page as me. Yes, when when we started talking about this uh, this interview, I remember some of your words. Exposure. Exposure, yeah. And again, with you, that mean, that word has so many different meanings. Oh, yes. Um, exposure on cam. <laughs> uh, yeah. What was it the first time that you saw your bear cunt on camera? What was that moment? And you realized, oh, other people saw that. Oh, gosh. You know, I started taking videos of myself before I was even posting them on the Internet. Mostly self-exploration. I want to see what's going on. and. I kind of liked it, and then I realized other people might like it, so I started posting videos. It led to camming, and yeah, that's what guys want to see. They don't want to see me talking. I have collected a following of viewers who like to get off to me just 
talking, sitting there and, you know, being me. <laughs> but then there's, you know, every other man on there that demands to see my cunt or um, a real popular request is for me to fist my ass. And I don't do that. I guess every man assumes that women can fist their own ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> too much porn. No, no, too much, too much porn. And, <laughs> and I will say this with, with the utmost kindness, porn performers are circus freaks. Yeah. That's um, one in a million right there. They do things that are positions. Uh, insertions, uh, endurance. They are trained athletes. There should be a porn Olympics. I mean, I always amazed at watching Belladonna and she's uh, kneeling a foot from the, from the man's groin and the tip of his penis is at his, at her lips and it disappears down her throat. You know, I think I know the scene you're talking about. <laughs> yes, yes. Large. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there are so many with with Belladonna. Oh, she's wonderful. You know, I can't overrate these uh, performers. Their their skills are just amazing. But I will go back. They're freaks. That's not reality for the, for the rest of us. Very unrealistic expectations are being set because that is so readily available on the internet and so prevalent that people think it's the norm, and it is so not. What is the most you have gotten down your throat so far? Uh, gosh, again, with numbers. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I, I mean, you aren't the deep throat queen, are you? I'm not the deep throat queen. I mean, I've got a small mouth and jaw, so that's unfortunate. I can take about seven inches if it's not too thick. And that is a respectable number for a real woman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Reality is much more interesting than, than fantasy. Yeah, I mean, if a guy has the fantasy of me taking nine inches down my throat on my first shot, well, I'll try. You can gag me and try, but it's not going to work. But don't get you giggling or you might lose an inch or two, right? <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask something of you, and if you don't want to do it, I will understand. How easy is it to turn on your sexy voice? It's really easy. All right. Do, uh, do a short cam for me. Right, right at the moment. What do you mean? Just, just like you're talking to your viewers on cam. What would you tell them? Oh, on cam, I'm such just a loser and a, a space cadet. <laughs> you aren't. I mean, yeah, I'll get into it, but really, it's just about me sitting there and giggling and making fun of all the trolls on the internet. <laughs> So there isn't any purrs and so forth. It goes from the, from the giggles to, to, uh, your wand dancing over your lady bits. Yeah, basically. I'm not one to do the, the dirty talk, the, oh, baby. Oh, I want to see your cock. No, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> you shifted gears so, so, so smoothly there. <laughs> Um, I'm not the type of person that's going to watch even cams while I'm on cam. I very rarely will have a cam to cam experience. That's generally reserved for people that I intend on meeting in person. Um, so for me, a typical cam session, it either is going to start out with me introducing myself, um, or it'll start out with, you know, me riding a dildo, me sucking a dildo, me squirting. It really varies. Um, not a lot of sexy talk, but a lot of 
sexy action. Ah, well, our listeners, I know, are going to be rushing to their keyboards now and finding out about this woman, (laughs) this incredibly complex hot babe on the West Coast. Listeners, we've had the pleasure of talking to Sally, a.k.a. Come Slut for Abuse, on the podcast tonight. If you want to look her up, you have her, her links on our page. Please go and check her out and drop her a line. But guys, be respectful. <laughs> Thank you, Sally. It was great chatting with you. Thanks so much for having me. You have been listening to episode 160 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we chat with Shakir, an author with a twist. Thank you.